the guys have some Bibles. They're going to make their way to the back. If you need a Bible, just get their attention. Put your hand up. They'll get one of those to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Today concludes the three-week State of the Church mini-series that we do at the beginning of, of each year. And we are also going to observe communion at the end of today's service. So I need to explain what we're doing today and the next few weeks and then, for sake of time, get right into it. Next Sunday is Sanctity of Life Sunday, and the message is going to be devoted then to that theme. Two weeks from today, I'll begin a short series on prayer, and then we're going to return to finish our study in the book of Acts. For those of you who are guests today, we normally take a portion of a book of the Bible through which we're going, passage by passage, and our message is based on that. But at the beginning of the year, that's an exception, and we take time for our church to consider her mission and to refocus on it, so we're going to do that today. Two weeks ago, we were reminded that a model church, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, is a church from which the gospel goes out, people are converted, and they are gathered into a church like ours, but also new churches that will do the same. Last week, we, we reviewed our church's theme verse in Colossians 1.28 that says, He is the one that we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we might present everyone fully mature in Christ. And we saw then that if we're going to achieve that, we must be a church in the title of this series that's growing inside and, and out. That is, we're building lives in our church and we're reaching more outside of it. We're growing spiritually and as a result, numerically and in that order. Our goal is church health, not church growth, but if we are healthy, we expect to continue to grow. Today we're going to be reminded of the plans that our church has set for the next few years, some of the progress that we've made toward those goals, and what we need to do in order to further the Lord's objectives. Let's pray then and ask God to help us. Father, thank you that we're here. We're here by your permission. We're here by your appointment. Everything happens in your world by your plan. And so we thank you for the comfort that we draw from that and thank you for your good plans for your people to allow us today on the Lord's Day to be in your presence together with your book open before us and to consider what it is that you would have us to do in this portion of what you are of your world and what you're carrying out in your world. Help us to be faithful to that task and may today contribute to that faithfulness. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now I've asked you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 because it contains a verse that must describe us if we're to advance what it is that matters to Jesus Christ in the time and in this place that he's given to us. It's verse 15. And it says, he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That is, focus yourself on what Christ cares about. And we need a church full of such people if we're going to together accomplish what God has called us to do here. Now, I will explain the rest of the passage briefly before our observance of communion toward the end of our time together. 
but you should have received an outline when you came in. And I say, first of all, in that outline that we are a mission-driven church. Now, that is a statement that I can make without fear of contradiction. It's a true statement. It's been so since the inception of our church 21 years ago when we first met to plan this new work with seven adults and five children. But if you do not refocus at least yearly, then it's easy to forget. Despite having our mission statement, which is to help people learn about God and love Him and others and live for His purpose, we have that promoted physically throughout our campus here with signs and banners. It's taught explicitly in our newcomer's orientation that all who consider membership here are to take, and many and most of you have. But forgetfulness means failure to be reminded, and that means that we will have, that we will have very negative consequences for our church, really, and any church, as author Robert Dale has documented years ago and for many years during this State of the Church address, I have reminded you of what Dale says, that there is a church life cycle. And he says it begins like it did for our church with a dream. Now he says dream, I prefer vision. I think there is a difference between a dreamer and a visionary. A dreamer has a good idea. A visionary has a good idea but also has a definite plan for how to, how to get there. But the dream, the vision, and then there are beliefs coming out of the dream, and the group gathers around those shared beliefs and, and values. And together they, they set goals. If they're wise, they establish goals and, and timetables that they will seek to reach together. But it's not enough to just have vision, values, and goals. The organization needs structure to hold together and to advance, including the organization of the local church. But after all of that, then there is the pinnacle, and that is ministry. You're doing the work. You're carrying out Christ's mission. Now, if it just ends there, all is great. But human nature, being what it is, it doesn't just end there. If you rest on your laurels, you will inevitably descend, and that's seen in that downslope. And people start to wax nostalgic. Remember when we used to? And then after a while of that, there's questioning. Do our leaders really know what they're doing? <laughs> Do we really have a direction? You have some more time on the downslope, and there's polarization. Camps develop, some taking the position, it's my church, right or wrong, good or bad, others saying, I need something more. And then after some more time, you have dropout. It's the death knell for a church. Many a church is in the throes of that downslope. Many a church is in the dropout phase. Some of you have seen this happen in church, so how can it be avoided? Well, the way that it's avoided is as you are doing ministry, instead of allowing the downside to inevitably take over, then go back to the beginning, to the vision again, to, to the dream again. Renew the vision and go through the same upward climb through the cycle. And so you dream and you have the beliefs and the, the goals and structure 
but then you do ministry and then you do that again and and again and this is a big part of the reason that we do this every year we do not want to allow ourselves to go down that downward slope so to help us with that every year at the beginning of the year i remind you of our church's plan our 10-year plan we are 21 years old now we had a 15-year plan and now we're in the middle of a 10-year plan and in that 10-year plan the way we have laid out that 10-year plan is i looked out 10 years and determined what by god's grace our church can and should be by by that time and 10 years from that time is sunday september the 26th of 2027 so september 26th of 2027 is a is a sunday i checked and then I wrote what would be kind of a journal entry for that day. So this gets confusing for people sometimes. Afterwards, they say, hey, what was that thing you were reading? <laughs> and so here's, here's what it is. It is the Sunday, now almost five years away. And it's as though on that Sunday afternoon, I sat down to write in my diary, in my journal, this is what's happening at our church. And so we're looking out now five years from now to September of 2027. And I say, this evening we celebrate our 26th anniversary with our annual celebration dinner. We expect 400 adults to attend as our church now has 700 who are members or regular attenders. We're having it in our new auditorium because the gym fellowship hall, the old auditorium, that would be where you are right now, will not seat that many for, for dinner. About 40% of those who've come to CBC in the last decade, came to Christ through our ministry, and we've made contact with them through our evangelistic ministries, such as Upward Sports, Christianity Explored Home Study, Discovering God series, Worldview Discussion Sessions, and Intentional Outreach, even through our in-reach ministries to children and teens, young adults, men and women. Others began attending by word-of-mouth invitation, hearing about us through our local cable TV program, mailers, door hangers, newspaper ads, yard signs, and other forms of advertising. Still others came because they saw our lighted building driving north on Fort, or they found material help through our Community Cares Mercy Ministries of food and clothing, or spiritual help through our Family Life Ministries to parents, couples, and seniors, and so on, or via our Community Counseling Center and Recovery Ministries, Still others read about us on Pastor Ken's Church Matters blog. Whether young or old in age, or young or old in the Lord, all have been offered opportunity to grow through holistic discipleship that addresses the mind, affection, and will. Each of our frontline ministries has a target objective of either learning, loving, or living, but all at least touch on all three. They have learned as their minds have been fed in children's ministries that have taught through an intentional scope and sequence. Our teens have received thorough worldview training, and our adults have benefited from ongoing Bible education. But each demographic has also been given avenues to love God and others and live for His purpose. All have progressed in Christ-likeness on what we call the road to maturity, though at different rates. We've made use of our resource center for articles and videos and books as it functions as a not-for-profit bookstore to our mem members. 
But all of us have battled sin and its effects. And so we've been helped by our crisis ministries for restoration in order to be put back on the road to maturity. The spiritual growth of our church has resulted in numerical growth. And that's necessitated a commensurate expansion of leadership. Our leadership team is now double what it was 10 years ago. And our pastoral team is now eight, including pastoral interns. Most of those on both the leadership and pastoral teams have been trained in our own, own men's and leadership ministries. One of the interns is training for church planting. The second time, we'll be sending out a trained planter with a group of 50 members as the initial core group. The first plant is in Huron Township, and CBC is seeking God's direction now for the second location. In between, we participated in church planting efforts through a network of like-minded churches pooling resources to advance the biblical mission. Two weeks ago, we held our third annual church health conference for pastors and leaders, put on jointly by CBC and our church plant in Huron Township. We've also been asked to participate in three church rescue operations, whereby our church provides a team to oversee the church's operation and nurse it back to health. Last year, we had a foreign missions trip as we visited the Shermans in Zambia, helping with projects at the Central Africa Baptist University there. This morning's message was delivered by our senior pastor designee as our intentional transition plan moves to its conclusion. It's been years in the making, and the congregation is alive with excitement and gratitude, confident the Lord has provided the right man to lead his church forward. This confidence has come through a thorough examination of his character and doctrine and skills, as he and his family have spent several years at CBC serving and growing so that the church is united behind the leadership of what we consider one of our own. We went through a lot to get to this point. Some things we tried just didn't work out. We had to endure the pain of disciplining some disobedient members. We've experienced the sweet sorrow of losing some brothers and sisters to this life, but rejoice that they've gained their reward in the next. We've had to remain steadfast through the latest fads and trends in ministry and the ever harder opposition of an increasingly secular society. But by God's grace, we are now an epicenter church whose faithfulness to the gospel is not only having impact in Trenton and the surrounding area, but in other regions of our nation and the world. God has continued to provide the resources necessary to fuel the vision as His people have stewarded their resources, giving of themselves and their treasure, and many leave a financial legacy for the mission when the Lord calls them home. At 65, I look forward with great anticipation to the Lord's work in the next five-year church plan. We are that, pursuing that, moving toward that. And so, just ask yourself, am I in? I hope you are. And it'll be a fun ride together as it has been. And if we accomplish half of what we have laid out, we'll thank God for that. Two-thirds of it, we'll thank Him for that. Three-quarters of it. Surely we won't accomplish every bit of it. It's in God's hands. But we are a mission-driven church, thankfully. But if we are going to continue to move forward, there are some things we need to seek to be in increasing measure. And so I say in your outline, we are a mission-driven church, but we seek to be a full-service church. Now, full service is a term we use two ways. It refers, first of all, to fully meeting needs. 
And that includes physical needs through ministries of mercy under the banner of community cares, which you heard me read about in the 10-year vision. And by the way, that 10-year vision plan is available for you to pick up a copy. It's one sheet, both sides, and it's at our welcome center out in, in the lobby. One of the first of these community cares ministries is a crisis pregnancy ministry for which we are partnering with a sister church that already has one up and running but needs our help. Our friends at Evangel Baptist in Taylor have for decades operated the Downriver Pregnancy Resource Center, formerly called Guiding Hand, I think, or Helping Hand. It's now called the Downriver Pregnancy Resource Center. I've asked recently retired CBCer Leslie Franzel to serve as our director for that ministry. Leslie has kindly accepted, meaning she's going to administer that ministry on our end, and she's going to serve as a liaison between us and our friends at Evangel. Leslie has already met with her counterpart there, and she's ready to send out a notice to those who have said on their ministry profile that you have some interest in that kind of, of ministry. Most of you know Leslie, but she's over here somewhere. Where's Leslie? There's Leslie right there. Yeah. Thank you, Leslie, for your willingness to do that. That Community Cares umbrella will have other ministries of mercy in the years ahead, but this is an exciting start for us. Our most important objectives are, are spiritual, and even the mercy ministries that meet physical needs will be geared toward opportunity for witness and for spiritual growth. But one of the direct spiritual growth ministries in that 10-year plan is our future counseling center. Community Biblical Counseling Center. And for that, I am thankful to report that Rob and Stephanie Hyden have agreed to serve as coordinators for the establishment of our, our center. Rob and Stephanie are here. They're in the back, right back there. So hassle them during the break and let them know, really, that you'll be praying for them as they take on this important work. Stephanie is a trained counselor, Rob and Stephanie uh, host the community group that I lead at their home, so over the last uh, year or so, I've had an opportunity to get to know them quite well, and as a result of that, I think they'll be an excellent team in order to start our center and operate it for us. They have begun their training in biblical counseling at the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. They are going to be contacting uh, a would-be team in the next couple of weeks. This is people who attended back in September, the seminar we had on Saturday led by Tim Alchin. And some of you out of that said I would be interested in knowing more about uh, this ministry, about being a part of it possibly. So they'll be contacting some of you. But there will be criteria for being on the counseling team. They'll have to be training primarily through CCEF. We have some other avenues for that as, as well. So one will need to be willing to go through the training. And then some other criteria to make sure that someone is not just trained, but they can actually be a skilled counselor. Not everyone who has the training is actually a good counselor. And we want our counselors to not only be good, but, but excellent. We're on track to have a new staff member next summer, summer of 24. And that new staff member will be the person about whom I read, who is our senior pastor designee. With your approval, he will then take my place 
God willing, if you are all willing, I would still be here to support him then in that ministry that he would take over a few years after he gets here. So arrive in 18 months, be here with us, he and his family, for a couple of years, and then the church will make a decision about that. The church planting that you heard me read about requires trained church planters, and so it requires internship and residencies. So I met uh, within the last month, I met with a pastor in our area who's doing a creditable job at doing that very thing, hosting internships and residencies with some excellent ideas for us to be able to use here. But that includes those young men being able to attend seminary. And attending seminary has been a struggle because of its scheduling. The seminary from which one of our pastors, Dr. Combs, retired and from which I graduated, Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary, is the place where we would like our young men to go. Unfortunately, their scheduling just does not make it easy. They have classes from 7.30 to noon, none at night, none on the weekends. And so it makes it very very difficult, and I remember how difficult that was uh, when, I, when I attended with a work-a-day job, 40 hours a week, uh, in an office environment, and so on. Now, our friends at DBTS tell me that they are considering a schedule such that one could take their entire Master of Divinity program and do that with just the classes that they offer at 7.30 in the morning. Those classes would end at 9.20 in the morning, and then you could go off to work later than most have as a start time, but at least the possibility that that could be worked out with an employer. Or we will have a cohort here with another seminary that offers, uh, offers classes online. One way or the other, we're going to train young men who want to be considered for ministry in those internships and residencies. Have an elder track as well, because not all will be planters, but can assist both here as we expand our elder team, uh, but also there with those new church plants in the leadership that will be needed. So when we say full service here, we're using that in, in two ways, referring to meeting a full range of needs. And those are just some of them, but then also fully deploying servants. Resources follow vision. I heard that years ago. Resources follow vision. And so if people then buy into the vision that the church has for its future, then they will be willing to invest themselves in it is the idea. And the greatest resource a church has is the work of God in her people. The Bible teaches that each one of us is gifted to serve in the Lord's work, and we each need to see ourselves as ministers who are in the ministry. Each one of us needs to see ourselves as ministers who are in the ministry. It's not just some people who are in the ministry. It is not just some people who are ministers. All of us are ministers, and all of us are in the ministry, and that's the way the Bible uses those terms. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, and that word translated service is the word for ministry. There are different kinds of ministry, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given 
for the common good. And so service and the servant is ministry and a, a minister. So it means that every member is a minister. We're all in the ministry. And here's what Ephesians 4 says about that. Then. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to do this. Pastors and teachers equip his people for works of, again, ministry, service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. But we're only going to do that if we're convinced it's what Christ would have us to do. Certainly not just me haranguing us to, to do it. And that's where 2 Corinthians chapter 5 comes in, and that verse in verse 15 in particular, that he died for all so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. We are a mission-driven church, and we seek to be a full-service church and also a sending church. And there are two things that that means, to be a sending church. We want to be a sending church at home, first of all. And church planting, as we've seen in the book of Acts, is the way the mission advances. So that means if we, as a church, are collectively going to see the Great Commission advance, it means that we must plant churches. The problem, the difficulty for us has been having planters. Those of you that have been here for a good while know that we have had a number of young men, most of them married and their wives, come over the years attending seminary, some of them even graduating from seminary. And unfortunately, for one reason or another, it has not worked out for those young men to be, to be planters, to be pastors. In fact, of them, none of them is doing, that, is doing that right now. It's not what we expected, but it's also not something that we have been able to control. But it's not for a lack of trying. Thankfully, we have young men in our church right now. You all know that Billy and Madison Cochran are in our Pastors in Training program. And we have others who are interested in whether or not the Lord would place them in vocational ministry. So it's not for a lack of trying, and God is going to bless us with the couples that we need in order to be able to do this. But in the words of Jim Harbaugh, we're either going to get it done or we're going to die trying, okay? So we seek to be a sending church, sending people out, sending in the form of church planting at home, but also, I say in the outline, abroad. Missions, foreign missions. In my, I'm 60 now, and in all of my time in church, and I've been in church literally my entire life, as my father was a pastor, and in all of that time, I have never been in a church out of which went someone from that church to be a foreign missionary. Never. Including, including this one. Then. And I do not want that to be the case. 
By God's grace, before he, he takes me home, I would love to see pe some people from our church surrender themselves to serve the Lord in some other place. But in order to do that, it means from a church level, we have to promote that. We have to put that before, in particular, our young people so that they see that as an option for them and they and their parents pray about what God would have them to do. And so we have recently appointed coordinators for our missions ministry, James and Erica Donovan. James and Erica have gotten started, and just this past week, James, Erica, and myself were on a Zoom call with a brother who's the missions pastor at a large church out in Iowa. He, along with a large organization, have put together what they call the missions course. And the missions course is designed to do the very thing I'm talking about, promote within a local church missions among its people. So they are finishing up that course, finishing up the videos and the materials for that. We expect then that this fall, no later than this fall, we'll be offering the missions course and be doing that on a regular basis. In addition, James and Erica have started the process of reaching out to Phil Hunt and the ministry at Central Africa Baptist University in Zambia that I mentioned in the 10-year plan in order for those who desire to go with us on a trip there. So pray for James and Erica, pray for those efforts and that God will use those in the years ahead. So we are a mission-driven church. We seek to be full service, sending, and sacrificial. The truth is, in order to be sending, we have to have the resources. So we have to have people who sacrifice. Sacrifice involves giving up something valuable. Always. It involves giving up something valuable. But please hear this. Though it involves giving up something valuable, Biblically, when supplied to the mission, it means pursuing something infinitely more valuable. So that the person who sacrifices doesn't feel like it's a sacrifice. Because it's for the one who died for them. So that they no longer live for themselves, but him for him who did so. Sacrifice involves giving up something valuable but biblically, it's pursuing something infinitely more valuable. And so, we are willing to give up aspects of our time. Now, I mentioned in last week's message that one of the avenues for outreach that our church has had and is going to continue to have into the future, into the community, is our second hour on Sunday, Discovering God. That means sacrificing some time. That means staying some extra time. I mentioned that last week. I mentioned now again this week. From time to time, I'll mention it in the, in the weeks ahead. And if you are not in the habit of doing that, then please understand, we're not judging you. We're not, we're not looking in a censorious way at you. But we are encouraging you to consider being a part wholly, fully of what it is we're doing together here. And that is, is part of it. 
And so schedule accordingly. Make the changes that need to be made. And not just with that, but with what your church is offering in order to advance you in your Christian walk and the mission that he has called us together to do. Hear this. You can either schedule the mission around your life or you can schedule your life around the mission, one or the other. Churches that accomplish a vision like ours have people who see all else as subordinate to it because it's what Jesus cares about. And so we do that with our time and we do that with our treasure. And you say, I knew you were going to get to that. I knew you were going to get to the money thing. I don't talk about money a lot other than when it's in the passage we're looking at on a given Sunday. But we started about four years ago at the beginning of the year during the State of the Church Address to mention a, a comparison of our giving from last year to the one, the one before. And so I'm going to share that with you again. Now I'm able to see those numbers because the finance team supplies them to me at my request. But, of course, without any names attached. I want to remind you, most of you know, that I only see numbers on a page. Most of you know that it's our church's policy that the pastors, myself and our other three pastors, do not see who gives in our church. Having looked at these numbers, I see some good news. Our uh, average per-family giving, when I say per-family that includes those that are single, a giving unit. That sounds very cold, but giving unit. But our average uh, per family giving unit rose by about $550 from an average of $37.62 per family giving unit to $4302 in this past year. So we're moving in the right direction on our averages. But averages, as many of you know, can be misleading because those can be skewed if you have a lot of big givers on one end or a lot of low givers on the other end. So the median given, giving provides a better picture. And that, the good news is, has gone up too by just over $600 per family slash giving unit. So both of those are, are good news, as is the fact that during the last few years that we've published these giving unit numbers, they've improved at least slightly each year. So that's all good. Thank you for your faithful giving. You know I'm going to say there's bad news too, right? And there is. We continue to have a large segment of people who give nothing or next to nothing. Now, please know that it's not the amount that matters. It's the sacrifice. As in the story that Jesus told of the widow who gave two coins in the temple. Many of you are familiar with that. A poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents, calling his disciples to him. Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty. So it's not, it's not the amount. It is whether or not we are all in. We are all participating. So with that in mind, I inform you that 20% of our congregation gave $100 or less for the entire year of 2022. Now that too, actually, is an improvement over the prior year, believe it or not. 
But of course, we have very few families who can give nothing or, in effect, $2 per week. So it's an area that needs to continue to improve. 35% of our congregation gave $1,000 or less for the year last year. So over one out of three families are less than $1,000 for the year. It means then that this good giving total that we have, the good median and the improvement and all of that, it's weighted toward those who give much more. Now, I don't know that we have, in fact, I know that we don't have any independently wealthy people in our church. Everyone works for a living or they did until they retired. So what has caused our overall giving to increase every single year is folks simply sacrificing to make it happen. So thank you, thank you again. But you see that weight toward the top giving numbers, not in the average, which was 4,300, but in the median, the median giving per year for our entire church is $2,200. It's the median. Now, whether that represents sacrificial giving for the mission of the church can be seen by using what many of us use for our giving, 10% of our, our income based upon the tithe that was established in the first part of your Bible, the Old Testament. There is no tithe in the New Testament, and so we don't preach the tithe. But many of us use that for our giving as a benchmark, and it's one that I recommend you to consider as a target if you're not doing that now. And just using a 10% standard for a median of $2,200 a year would mean our families have a median income of $22,000 a year, and we know that's true of hardly no one, if anyone. Now, this does not include, this does include, I should say, our young adults who may have part-time jobs, so they may, in fact, fit under that. But I encourage you to consider setting a target of 10% and move toward it each year gradually as you adjust your budget. And you're going to have married couples an opportunity to make that adjustment in the next few weeks because two weeks from today during our second hour, Pastor Rich is going to be doing the Gospel-Centered Marriage Series, and it's going to be focused, it happens on finances. But above and beyond our weekly and yearly giving as a church, if we're to do the things that are in our 10-year plan, many of those like ministry internships and residencies, the counseling center, taking on a new full-time pastor in 24, a building addition, and so on, it's going to require more than our operating and ministry budget, and that's what our legacy fund is. And that's the brochure that you should have received when you came in today. It was attached to your outline. It focuses, if you read that, and I encourage you to do that this afternoon, on our counseling center and financing that, on the Community Cares Mercy Ministries, on our Road to Maturity, on the Church Planting Network, but also the physical infrastructure that is building needed to minister to those attracted through these other means. We call it leave a, a legacy in the legacy fund. It means giving while we're alive, like we've been faithfully doing every year. Thankfully, our income has gone up. Praise God for that. But not just giving while we're alive, but giving as you leave as well in a will or insurance policy, for example. Of course, you will and you should think about your loved ones in a will or insurance policy or other windfall that you might receive, but we encourage you to consider the mission in all of those also. It has been my uh, guess for many years 
that many Christian people would, in fact, participate in leaving a legacy if they were simply reminded about it from time to time. Because I think many people might go to an attorney, fill out a will, and they don't even think about it. So this is all we're trying to do with that, is keep that in front of you a few times a year, at the beginning of the year, and maybe a couple of other times during the year, so that we at least think about this. This will allow the church's mission to acquire resources to do the good things that we have in our 10-year plan and long after I'm gone. And it all, friends, every penny goes to that. It doesn't go to me, it doesn't go to any individual. It'll allow the church to amass, amass the larger sums that are needed for these good causes. Now, since we promoted this for the first time last year, we have over $380,000 in the fund. It's our hope that many are making adjustments to their future planning, and every year we'll see it increase, and probably in fairly large amounts. So if you have not already, I encourage you to act on that in your future planning. As I say, you'll hear me talk about it from time to time. Here's your take-home truth. The church is people who gladly give their all for the one who gave all for them. Now, we are going to end our time together by observing communion. Most of you know that the way we have observed communion at our church over the years is we've devoted the entire worship service to its observance. We're going to continue to do that this year, but we're adding a few times where at the end of the service, we will observe the Lord's table because we want to make sure that we adequately focus on the centrality of the cross and the gospel and what Christ has done for us at our church. So before we, we do that, I want to somewhat quickly give you the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, from which we called verse 15 to focus on. It starts in verse 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, with since then, and so it connects What's before that in verses 6 through 10, and those verses speak of what Paul, who wrote this, and says about himself that he and all of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And so all that he does and all that we do is to be done with that in mind. So in verse 11, we try to persuade others, he says, as I carry out my ministry, what we are is plain to God, and I hope it's plain to your conscience. But then those kind of enigmatic verses that follow in verses 12 and 13 are about this, just very quickly, the fact that Paul has some people in the city of Corinth who are seeking to detract from his status among the people there as an apostle. They're attacking him personally. And so that's why he says, if I am out of my mind, in verse 12, it's in quotes because he's quoting people who are saying that. Paul's out of his mind. So he's defending his, his ministry there, and plenty to say about that, but for sake of time, I, I won't. But then all of that leads up to him saying, listen, you all know in Corinth, because I spent 18 months with you ministering to you, I, I brought the gospel to you, I established you in the faith, and you know this, that I believe that Jesus Christ died for me, died for us, and because he died for us, we should live for him. So let's remember that then as we observe the Lord's table this morning.
I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. We're going to be led in prayer by Brother Glenn Crock, asking the Lord to bless. Are you the bread? Okay. Brother Glenn's going to lead us in prayer uh, and thank the Lord for his broken body on our behalf. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, so much, Father, as we receive this bread this morning, Lord, we know that it's a symbol, Father, of your broken body for us. Father, help us to never forget what you've done for us, Lord, and always remember how great you are. Amen.
do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Brother Billy Cochran will lead us in thanking the Lord for his shed blood on our behalf. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We care about you. We are just in awe and gratitude of what you've done for us. You sent your son to die on a cross for us. And as we take upon this cup, let it remind us of the blood that was shed, the crimson blood that was shed on the cross, the drops of blood coming from our Savior, for nothing that he did wrong or nothing that he deserved, blood that was shed to cover all of us. So when we come to you one day in heaven, you will see us white as snow and not blemished with the sins that we've committed against you. We pray that you would take our, our prayers today as we ask for forgiveness of the sins we've committed against you. And we pray that you would wash us clean of these sins and that we would be reminded wholly of your son, Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross. We ask this in your name. Amen.
do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So we're going to end our service um, this morning with a song that I think really um, is a great capstone for um, our observance of, of the Lord's table this morning. It's called There is a Redeemer. We haven't sang it in a while, but I think many, many of you know it. We're going to sing two verses and then um, sing an a cappella chorus um, <coughs> at the end. So if you would, let's all stand together this morning and sing. I'll get you guys started. Um, and then uh, we'll really just have the voices of the congregation uh, sing out this morning. Ready? There is a Thank you. stand in glory I will see his face there I'll serve my king forever in that holy place thank you The work on earth is done. Thank you, oh my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. That does conclude our first hour. Looking forward to see you all second hour here at 1115. In the meantime, encourage one another as brothers and sisters in Christ during our cafe community time.